I ask you to take your Bible, turn for the last time for a little while to the book of Job. Job chapter 42 is where we will be covering this morning. Job chapter 42. We're going to pick up in verse 1. If you're using that pew Bible, you can be on page 615. Job chapter 42. Page 615 in the pew Bible. We'll stand and read that here in just a moment or two. I don't know about you, but at the end of our family trips or our family vacations, uh, we typically, typically as we're leaving, it seems like, we begin to talk about what our favorite food was while on vacation or what our favorite meal or what our favorite activity or if we've gone someplace that had rides, what our favorite ride was. You know, it's fun to both recall the events as a family to be able to rehash it over again but it's also interesting when we do this to understand and see how diverse even our family was because it's not the same meal that always becomes our favorite and it's not the same event. Everybody has their own way that they were impacted, their own favorite thing that we get to talk about. Well, today, much like that, we are going to complete our journey through the book of Job. We began on July the 30th, believe it or not, and here we are, August, I mean, October the 22nd. And I know I've spent a lot of time studying this book over the last 12 weeks, and I know that you have, many of you have shared with me how you have studied along, how you have grown a lot. Some have even said, I got a text this morning, and someone said, I'm really sad that we're completing Job today because it has challenged me so much. And so I'm so, so thankful that God has opened up His Word to us and His Spirit so that we can go through what is a book that many times does not get gone through as much as it should. I recall I've learned many things. I've been convicted about many things. And uh, God is, has used the book of Job to both shape my attitude and to my response to things in life. I've also been encouraged to see how God's love, God's presence, and God's plans for us have to be brought to life. I'm not certain what your favorite part or your least favorite part of our study of the book of Job was, but I'd like for you to share that with me one day. And if all of a sudden you desire to do something like that, you can call me, you can text me, you can send me an email, whatever you want to. I would love to be able to hear about this journey and what God has said to you and through you uh, to impact it as we've studied this together. Um, somebody else has said, uh, more than once I've heard this from different people, that God knew exactly what we needed as a church body, and being the sovereign, holy, perfect, righteous God that He is, He knew exactly where He wanted us to go and what He wanted us to learn about Him. So I encourage you in the coming weeks, maybe in the next week, to go back and reread the book of Job, and you're going, Jeff, we're getting done, and you're telling me to go back and read it again? What a better time to go back and read it there would be, as none, as, as do it now. But allow God to bring to your heart all the things He has for you, because I believe this has been a great family trip that we have been on going through the book of Job. So let's finish today. Let's stand and read from the book of Job. We're going to read Picking up in Job 42, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read the whole chapter, 17 verses. Job chapter 42, picking up in verse 1, says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, 
I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And so it was after the Lord had spoken these words to Job that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is aroused against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Now therefore, take for yourself seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering and my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him lest I deal with you according to your folly because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuite and Zophar the Namathite went and did as the Lord commanded them, for the Lord had accepted Job. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintance before came to him and ate food with him in his house and They consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima, the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third Karen Hapuk. And in all the land there found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open. We're going to spend the next few minutes coming through this final chapter of the book of Job. And I'll tell you that my approach this week was just a simple personal Bible study. I have this little piece, a pad on here, and I just started scribbling notes. And I went through this, and as ideas came to me personally, how God was working in my life, I wrote them down. That became the basis of the uh, sermon today. And um, God has just completed. When we get to Job chapter 42, Job has just stopped hearing from God. God had gone on a Job 38, 39, 40, and 41 kind of God rant, questioning Job, answering Job, and calling Job to answer back and to speak. And Job responds, we see here in verse 5. So the first thing I want to see what Job said. In verse 5, Job said, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear but now my eye sees you. Now, it's interesting when you look at that. Job said, I had heard of you. Job talks about something that had occurred in the past. And it's interesting when you think about what you have heard, typically what you hear is someone's second-hand experience. Now, Job was faithful and just and blameless and feared God and, and shunned evil. And he was all of these things God said he was. But it's interesting how Job will now look back as part of his testimony and say, Lord, I was operating on what I had heard. 
You know, sometimes that happens. We can come here today and I can preach and preach. You know, I'm, we're 10 years into me. So, I, you know, just roughly speaking, if I just miss two Sundays a year, and I don't hardly miss two Sundays a year, but if I just miss two Sundays a year, that's 500 Sunday morning services. That doesn't count when we did two years of Sunday night and three years of Saturday night. Just 500 Sunday morning services. And I could go back and I'll keep an idea of where we've been and talk about all this stuff. We're completing the book of Job, and I could detail to you we've completed this, we've completed this, we've done this, we've done that. But the reality is, is we've heard, you've heard a lot. Job's, and it may have impacted you. And Job said, Lord, I've been living my life rather well based upon your expectations, based upon what I had heard. But notice the phrase, but now. And now we have to recognize Job is saying, but now there's a time gap. And it could be, but now, now that I have gone through these 42 chapters, now that I have gone through my own spiritual ups and downs as we've gotten to, now that I have heard for the last four chapters about how you have presented yourself before me, Job says, Lord, now I see you. Lord, now I see. And you know what? That is a very personal, first-hand event. You know nobody can see for you. You see for yourself. And so we've seen a transition that Job says is, Lord, I had heard about you. But Lord, I now see. I don't know about you. But the things I get to encounter personally impact me far greater than the things that I just hear about. Job was called by God at the beginning of this book as blameless, upright, one who fears God and one who shuns evil. God even said, and there is no one like him on the earth. But because of all that he has experienced, seen and learned, Job now sees God unlike ever before. Job has come to know God more personally and more fully because of all that he has gone through. Church, let me make this statement. There is nothing more important or more valuable than coming to see and know God personally. And if the only thing that has occurred through the book of Job over our 12 weeks together is that God has shattered what you've heard and replaced it with seeing Him, you've won. To see God more clearly. You know, perhaps, I say the word perhaps because we're in this body and it would be hard for us to see it differently. I think in, in reality it's probably absolute truth, but I think perhaps Job one day would look back on this period of his life and thank the Lord for allowing him through all of this to know him better. See, in our minds, you're going, Jeff, he's going to be thankful that he went through physical pain, emotional loss, possessions. He's going to be thankful for that. I believe that as we individually come to see God in all of His fullness, we will recognize that there is nothing 
that compares to God. Nothing. No gain. No loss. Nothing. And Job now sees this. I think one thing is clear. Church, God wants you to know Him personally. Fully. Completely. Every experience, every word, everything God does or allows is meant for His glory and for your good. Meant for you to know and trust and serve Him more completely. Job has shifted. Lord, I I was living based on what I've heard. Now, I see you. Thank you, Lord, for helping me know you more fully. Church, I pray that might be something that you consider and look back on this journey and be glad that God has done. Look in verse 6. It says, Therefore, this would be Job saying, Now that I have come to know, now that I have come to see, now that I have come to understand you more fully, verse 6, Jeff's paraphrase is, I'm sick of me. Have you ever been just disgusted with yourself? You've seen yourself act a certain way. You've been replayed the words that you've said. And you go, I can't believe I sounded that way. And Job has gotten to a point here where he says, Lord, I'm disgusted of me. And look what he says in verse 6. He says, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. Now let's hold on for that second. If you have your Bible open, it wouldn't take you but probably one page to turn. If you go back to chapter 40, verses 3 through 5, that's the only other time during God's four-chapter challenge to Job that Job is given the opportunity to speak. And in Job chapter 40, picking up in verse 3, let me read verses 3 through 5. It said, Then Job answered the Lord, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yes, twice but I will proceed no further. Can I tell you what I believe has happened here based upon the wording Job uses? In chapter 40, when he responds to God, Job is going, Lord, I'm embarrassed and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. I don't know what else to say. I can't say anything else, but I'm sorry. And he says, I don't want to speak anymore. But in Job chapter 42, after hearing more fully from God, notice that word, Job repents. Do you know repentance is not being sorry? Repentance is a change of heart. And Job has now gotten to a point to where he's gone through that he is now allowing God to change his heart. Church, let me just share with you again, there is a big difference between you being sorry and you being repentant. There's a big difference between me being sorry and me being repentant. When I am sorry, I'm apologizing, but I'm not changing. And when I'm repentant, I am turning away. When you repent, you turn from your sin and you turn to the Lord. It is a 180 degree turn. It is an absolute change of heart, change of mind 
change of action. And we sometimes don't use the word or understand the word as effectively as it needs. We try to repent, but we don't fully give it the 180-degree turn. You know, and I've used this analogy before. We give it the 179-degree turn. And you know what happens if you, uh, if you stay on that straight line, if it's a golf ball and it's going straight, or if it's going one degree off, for the first few yards, they're pretty close together. And then if you hit it way out there, they're going to be way apart from each other. Lack of 180 degree true repentance will just lead to separation from God a little bit later on. And so Job is now coming before God and he says, Lord, I repent. Repentance brings a change of heart. Sorry brings a change of words. Church, can I share with you that God is not concerned with your words. God is only concerned with your heart. And Job, based upon this statement, is now giving everything he can, his heart, to the Lord. Imagine how super spiritual and powerful in the eyes of God Job's going to become because he had been living a life based upon what he had heard that had made him blameless and upright, shunning evil and fearing God. And now all of a sudden he's come to the point of seeing God and repenting. Just imagine how he's going to live for the Lord in the days ahead. Perhaps through the book of Job you are now facing God challenging you to let go of something that you've been wrestling with for a long, long time. Perhaps something you've been calling your friend, even though it's a sin, something that you need to let go of. Perhaps that's what God is asking you to do. There is a difference in life between being sorry and being repentant. And Job has now made the leap to repentance. Church, is there anything in your life that you need to repent from. When we come face to face with God and His full revelation of Himself, we will repent. We will repent. There will be a day of repentance. What you have to decide is, is that day going to be now or maybe at the judgment? Because see, if we're not repentant, Scripture would teach that we're not saved. You don't want to stand before God unrepentant. Perhaps there's something that God has taught us, taught me and you through all of this, that we need to make sure that we yield to Him every area of our life. Now, verse 7, God turns His attention to Job's friends, and we're going, oh, this is going to be good. And God says in verse 7, he says, Job was right in what he said about me. God is vindicating Job publicly. He's saying Job was right. Said it again in verse 8. Job was right about what he said about me. Now we've completed a study of, of all that Job has said in these 12 weeks. And Job said many wonderful things. In 121, he said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Job 2, verse 10, shall we indeed accept good from God? Shall we not accept adversity 
But as we've talked about, Job has said many things in this book that are not right things. That's why God challenged him. That's why God brought him to this spot. You're going, well, so how do we make this work? God's saying Job has said what was right when we clearly know that Job's, what Job has said was not right. Well, I need to set it in context. Go back to the beginning of verse 7. And it says, And so it was after the Lord had spoken these words to Job. So we're given a context that everything that's getting ready to be said by God in these moments is now been covered by the words that just occurred. Job's last words that just occurred were repentance. Confession of my failings, Lord. You are holy, just, and right. I repent of that. And so now that God is coming before them, I believe that what he's saying is that he is right. That Job is right by what he has just completed. After he had spoken these words. So set it in context. God and Job have just completed their conversation. Job says, I know everything that you do. I know every purpose of yours cannot be withheld. I have spoken without understanding. I repent. And now God says to the three friends, you have been wrong. Job has been right. Church, can I tell you, not only do we need to repent as Job did, but God uses our repentance as a tool to help other people. God will vindicate his people. Don't you love that God said, hey, friends, Job was right. Job was right. Job was right in the end in how he repented and how he confessed and how he came around. God will notice faithful people and will vindicate them. Church, can we encourage you? Don't grow weary of doing good. Be found faithful. Now back to verse 7, talking about these friends. God says, my wrath is aroused against you, for you have not spoken what is right about me. Not only will God vindicate his people, hey, Job was right. God will judge those that are not righteous. God will deal with all those who do not have the correct understanding and proper relationship with him. But notice how loving God's challenge to these men is. Instead of just condemning them, instead of just judging them, instead of just smiting them in that moment, and they all knew God could have responded this way because they've seen what's happened in Job's life. He was patient with them. He was just. He was merciful. Look what he said in verse 8. Take a sacrifice for your sins to Job. Now we need to understand God just told them what it was. You not speaking right about me, you not believing correctly about me is sin. And he says, you need to take a sacrifice to Job. And Job will intercede for you, for I have accepted Job. God grants these men an opportunity to repent and change, just like he gave Job the opportunity to repent and change. God has in this book provided a shadow of Christ to come. We've talked about that. And the suffering of the innocent 
to help the others. God goes on to say in verse 8, He says, You need to take this sacrifice for your sins to Job. Job will intercede for you, for I have accepted Job, or lest I deal with you according to your folly. This is a great gospel plea right here in one of the oldest written pieces of God's Word that we have. God says that you can do the things I tell you and be made right, or you can stay in your sin and face judgment. How wonderful. God will judge, but only after extending mercy and grace. Have you experienced the mercy and grace of God? Verse 8, it goes on to say, My servant Job will pray for you. Wow, how the tables have turned. These friends have been railing against Job for 27 chapters, and now they are being sent by God to Job as the source for their help. Let me ask you this question. Are you willing to be an intercessor to those God's anger is aroused against? Think about Job for a second. There's a piece of Job that might be going, I told you I was right and rail against his friends and go, see, I told you so. But it's interesting. Now that Job has come to see God more fully, Job's not all about Job. Job is all about God. And now God is always all about God, and he comes to these people that are outside of the faith relationship with him, and he says, you need help. And Job is the help that I have provided for you. You go to him. I've accepted him. He will help you get to the right spot. You know, that's why God saved you too. If you have come to know salvation through Jesus, you have accepted the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, the blood shed for you, the resurrection and the life that God desires for you. Not only do you have an eternity that is secure, but you have a commission to go and to tell. God desires to use you. You can be an intercessor as well. You can go from struggling to now interceding. And it's interesting. Note what Job does. Because Job had repented, Job had received God's mercy and grace. Because Job had lived righteously, because Job feared God, understood this promise of judgment was real, and because Job stood strong in the promises of God, Job was now being able to be used by God to help Others be made right. If we are willing to see God for who He is, to allow God to change us to where we see Him more fully, if we then repent from what we find in our lives and live before God, He will accept you and use you to help somebody else be made right. Jesus called it the Great Commission. That's what we are called to do. Will you allow God to use you as an intercessor? Look at verse 10. You know, I stopped. I would have loved the book of Job to end right here. Because look what happens in verse 9. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar did as the Lord commanded them, for the Lord had accepted Job. So we now know that Eliphaz, 
Bildad and Zophar and God are right with each other. We know this now because God commanded and they followed through. That would have been a great ending to the book. Because it's in verse 10 that if we're not careful, we will pick back up the very things that we were encouraged to set down at the beginning of the book of Job. Think about this. And the Lord restored Job's losses. And you can look at this, and I did, and I compared chapter 1 and chapter 42, and Job gets exactly twice all of his possessions back. Whatever he had, 7,000 of, he now has 14. 500, he has 1,000. All of his possessions are now double. His kids are now replaced. Ten, seven boys, three girls again. God restored all of this, and if we're not careful, we will fall back into this prosperity opportunity that if you'll just stay faithful long enough, God will make it all up to you and, and you'll be fine. I tend to think that now since we're think, seeing Job as this opportunity of, of this shadow of Christ to come, I think that we're found that when we come to the point of repentance, when we come to the point of knowing and seeing God fully, when we come to the point of letting Him use us, we can be for certain that our eternity will be blessed beyond measure. And I think there comes a point in time when we need to stop counting the number of an animal and realize what God is saying is He had a lot. He had all He ever needed. He had more than enough. And that's what He's promised us in heaven. So church, you don't want to serve God so that you can get stuff. The way I've seen it, when you got Jesus, when Job repented and was made right, when you got Jesus in your life and your eternity was secure, if God never does another good thing in your life, you are still most blessed. Church, we've got to recognize that. But when we look at this, notice that God restores Job's losses, but it's not just that he restores them. Look at this. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. When Job became that official, faithful witness of God, when Job allowed God to use him, even when he might have wanted to tell these friends to take a hike, he allowed God to change his heart and to be a witness. God says, okay. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I, I came to bring life to the full. And we're getting this example that Job was found faithful before Job was restored. Church, I don't know what God wants to do with my resources on this side of heaven or your resources on this side of heaven or my family this side of heaven or your family this side of heaven. I just know that the biblical principle shows that if I will repent, yield my life to God, be faithfully found before Him, he will take care of all of my future needs. Whether that is future needs today until I die, or whether it is after I die, God has got us covered all the way through. Job was restored after he was found faithful. After he prayed for his friends. So after getting to know God better through his challenges and after repenting before God and after living correctly before God in this new relationship and after being obedient as an intercessor, after, after, after. Job's restoration to God personally is the greatest benefit of this story for Job. 
The fact that he got more stuff, that's great. More family, that's great. But being made right with God, God giving Job any things back was just an act of his mercy and his grace. Do you know that my ability to be healthy enough to stand here and do this, that's just an act of God's mercy and grace. Because on my own, I have no ability. Nothing. And we're reminded through that by the book of Job. And in verse 16, as we begin to close, it says, and after this, after all the restoration, the last thing, after this, Job lived 140 years. Now, historians believe that Job could have lived to be as old as 210 years old. That's what people suggest. So let's call it 200 years. If he lived 140 years after all of this, that means Job is 60-ish right now. He's just a baby. He's young in this world. And as I was reading this, you know, if we're not careful, we can allow what has happened to us to define how we view everything else in life. Job had two-thirds of his life in front of him in these moments. Church, that's a big deal to understand this. You know, there are times in the book of Job that Job wanted to die. That he didn't value his life as God did. And then God spoke and at just the right time and said just the right things and Job responded. Church, can I challenge you that regardless of what you have gone through, or regardless of what you may be currently going through. Or understanding that the future may hold challenges that we have not yet gotten to. It is God's desire for you to live a full and abundant life, and that is only in total commitment to Him. I don't know how many days I have remaining, we, as a church family, we know oh too well how brief life can become. And I've got a choice. I can either try to hold on to every single thing in my life, trying to make the most of every single day that I can, or I could realize that the Lord may give me 40 more years, and I don't want to waste them sitting around trying to hold on to them. I need to live them. And Job at the end, when you say, and Job died, old and full of days, that means that Job lived his life well for these last 140 years. I don't know what you carried into the book of Job. At times, we probably all have found ourselves going, well, I feel like Job. We've walked through some things together as a church family where we're going, well, now we understand why we're talking about Job. The Lord knew what he was doing. The reality is, is that the book of Job ended up being about Job more fully coming to know the Lord and more fully living his life for the Lord. And that's an outcome that I'm not sure we expected 
And so as a church, when we come back to this conclusion of Job and we get to the end and we think, what are we going to do now? Well, we get to decide, how are we going to live the rest of our lives? We're going to live them grumbling and looking at these challenges and wondering, what in the world am I going to do? Or are we going to trust the Lord in and through them, knowing He will be faithful and that our life can be one day being said as being lived full for the Lord. Amen.